Thank you, Ruben and Vicki. Uh, it's amazing that we are into Advent. We're not even into December yet, and yet technically this is the first Sunday of Advent. I hope you had a blessed uh, Thanksgiving. And now as we uh, look forward to uh, Christmas, we prepare our hearts to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Uh, I'm going to do something as we, uh, before I get into the sermon today that we don't do here uh, very often. And I just want to uh, give a, an, an encouragement towards uh, year-end giving. Uh, each year, uh, at this time of year, as we enter into the last month of December, we are always uh, hoping for a high month in terms of uh, church giving. As we come to the conclusion of 2021, we are where we oftentimes are toward, at this time of the year, and we are running a uh, deficit. Now, it's not a huge deficit. It's not something to get alarmed about. Usually we have a, a good end-of-the-year giving that gets us into the black and gets us to a bal balanced budget. But I do want to bring this to our attention to encourage you to consider what the Lord uh, might have you to give uh, at the end of this year. And so because we don't uh, emphasize this a lot, we try not to be one of the churches that harps on giving every Sunday, uh, I'm just going to uh, give this as one challenge for all of us, to ask the Lord if the, uh, what he would have us, to each of us individually, to give at the end of the year, and then simply to be obedient towards that. You know, some of us, uh, we want to uh, give a little extra because there's a tax break coming, or maybe we uh, need to catch up on our ties, or maybe we look over the past year and we think, wow, this has been a difficult year, but God has been faithful, and we, we give a little extra as an act of uh, worship to the Lord. And so that's my simple challenge. Go before the Lord and ask him, God, do you want me to uh, give a little more at the end of this year? And uh, God willing, we'll have a good final uh, month of December and we'll, enter, uh, and we'll enter into the new year in the black and, and uh, it'll, it'll all be to the glory of God. As I said, since I don't say a lot on this uh, very often, let me, before I leave the subject, let me just say one more thing and that is thank you. Uh, because many of you give very, very faithfully uh, throughout the year, every week, every month, and, uh, and we probably don't say thank you enough. And, uh, and ultimately, it's for the kingdom of God. We do all things for His glory. And so I know that for many of you, you've given generously throughout the year, and it's been for the advancement of His kingdom and for God's glory. And so I just want, because we don't say it very often, I just want to say on, uh, on my behalf, on our, on our staff's behalf, on the board's behalf, thank you for your faithfulness, for your faithful, faithful obedience along these lines. And so may we end the year on a financial high note and all the glory goes to God. Amen? Amen. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you for our church. And we know that just a, a church has operating expenses uh, 
And uh, there are things that we need to just be able to carry out the work that you have given us. But God, uh, we don't give just so we can keep our doors open for the sake of having a place to come. We give because we want to see your kingdom advance. And we want to see you glorified. And God, we know that it is in your plan to use the church. This is how you have designed your kingdom to carry on. And so, God, we pray that we would be good faithful stewards to, stewards of whatever you uh, give us. And God, I pray that you would uh, continue just to provide for our needs so that we can do the work that you have called us to. God, I thank you for each person that gives generously, uh, each person that gives faithfully and uh, obediently. And God, I pray that you would bless them because of it. There's always blessings in obedience to you, God. But God, as we enter into, as we enter into the last part of this uh, year, we pray that you would help us to meet our needs and uh, God, that we would uh, just be able to continue on with the work that you've called us to. God, as we turn our attention now to your word, we pray that you would speak to us. God, I thank you that we get to celebrate your son, Jesus. God, as we uh, gather into this place full of Christmas decorations now, our minds and our hearts turn to you, and we pray that you would speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, as um, we enter into the Christmas season, how are you feeling? Are you ready? You ready for Christmas? I hope that Christmas is enjoyable and memorable and we have a lot to look forward to. But I recognize that it can be very stressful as well, especially after another hard year. Listen to what one hospital put out in a statement. Feeling exhausted, on edge, a little out of sorts, you're not alone. More than a year into the coronavirus pandemic and after months of political and social unrest, studies have shown increases in stress and anxiety among U.S. adults, with some experiencing symptoms of post-traumatic stress, or what is being called post-COVID stress disorder. Now that sounds pretty serious to me, post-traumatic uh, stress post-COVID stress disorder. This, I think, was put out uh, by a hospital a year ago, but the, uh, but the pandemic continues on with almost no end in sight, with variants and things that can continue to bog us down. And many experts have concluded that what we are experiencing as a nation is more traumatic on us than what we experienced on 9-11. And I think that's probably true. You know, I've, I talk to individuals as I, uh, as I just observe what's going on. As things continue on, this, this, it, it begins to just wear on us. There is a sense, as the statement said, of feeling exhausted, on edge, a little out of sorts. As, uh, as a church, we have an education center in which it's been uh, organized to help students that are struggling in school. And it came out of the pandemic because the school district asked, actually asked us if we could provide one-on-one -on -one tutoring and uh, in a face-to-face in -face manner when school was 100% online. And so we stepped up and we've done this now for uh, almost two years. 
And one little boy has been with us from the very beginning. And uh, there was a period this, during this past uh, month in which he got to the point where he would not go to school. And it was just out of exhaustion from everything that had been taking place. Now, he wanted to come to the education center, and, and, uh, and, and in fact, we've been involved with the school, and the police came and worked with the boy here at the education center because this was the one place he found that could be a safe place, and he felt comfortable. But all of this just over time wore on him until he needed psychological help. Now, that's, a, that's a, an ex- extreme example just from our, the life of our own uh, church. And, uh, but the stress applies to us each in different ways, individually or even as a family. At Christmas time, we recognize, as, as I said, that we hope this is a time of joy, but it is also a time in which we oftentimes miss a loved one. We mourn the loss of a loved one. Or we have those extra financial burdens. Or we're reminded of difficult family dynamics when we get together with the extended family. You know, the list could go on and on. And so here's the one question I want to give us. Is peace, hope, and joy supposed to be this hard? (laughs) That's kind of of going to be the question here in our Advent uh, season. Is peace, hope, and joy supposed to be this hard? We're going to light these candles, and they represent hope and peace and joy and love. And uh, does God really have anything to add to this whole discussion? If we consider the stresses that, uh, in, our, in our lives, what does God have to say about hope and joy and peace and all of these things? Could he bring these things into our lives? And spoiler alert, I think he can. I think he does have something to say. And in fact, I think it is in the person of Jesus that we ultimately can find our peace, hope, joy, and love. And so this morning, we're going to start by considering some of these Christmas uh, characters in the story. And we're going to look at the person of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, when you think of Mary, is this the image that comes to mind? Kind of a halo around the head, uh, this, this peaceful look, uh, a feeling of, of joy, almost easy, come what may. This picture, this beautiful picture of a, of a young woman who is, uh, is able to take uh, life's punches without any blows. But I'm, I am convinced when I read the Christmas story that this really isn't an accurate emotional picture of what Mary was experiencing. With all our emotional ups and downs, consider the roller coaster that Mary was on. On the one hand, she's, be, she's greeted by an angel. Very exciting, right? On the other hand, she's greeted by an angel, and she's scared out of her mind. Uh, On the one hand, the angel says that he brings her good news, that she's going to give birth to a a son. On the other hand, that doesn't sound like good news to Mary, because she's not married, and she's a teenager. And she wonders how will her family and her church react to all of this, and her fiancé will seek to quietly divorce her. 
You see, when we think of the emotional stress of the holidays, you might as well think of the Virgin Mary. The first Christmas was not all lights, carols, and happy family get-togethers, not at least for her. The first Christmas was almost more than she could take. In, in Luke uh, 1, 28, the angel Gabriel comes to her and says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And what I think Mary was thinking when she heard those words is, Yeah, right. I can't, I can't believe that Mary felt highly favored in that moment. In fact, look what the next verse says. Mary was deeply troubled at his words and, was one, and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The angel would go on to say, You will conceive and give birth to a son, and, he, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and will, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne over uh, Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will not end, will never end. And we read these verses and our hearts rejoices. This is what it's all about. This is the hope, the peace, the joy that we have. But we only understand that in hindsight. In the moment, Mary's heart was troubled. She couldn't understand what was happening. She, she uh, probably knew instinctively that many would not accept the quote-unquote immaculate conception explanation. And so Mary had many questions and concerns about this whole situation. She probably had as many questions and, and concerns as you'll have on lights on your Christmas tree this year. Like, they're all over the place. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The title of today's, question, of today's sermon is Mary's Questions. When you ask hard questions after a hard year. You see, I think Mary asked these questions and they're legitimate. These are real, honest questions asking God how is this all possible? And uh, anyone in their right mind would have surely asked similar questions. But note that neither God nor the angels or the angel are frustrated by her question. She's not disqualified for God's service because she asks questions. She has genuine questions and concerns. And at times, it's hard for us to understand why God does what he does. You know, sometimes we have genuine questions and concerns. We look around and we, and we look at a little boy who's struggling like this in school and we wonder, how can God have this happen? And we look around at what's happening to us as a nation and we, under, and we want to ask ourselves, what is going on? And we ask ourselves, even just with our own personal experiences, and they're genuine questions. They're not even necessarily rooted in doubt or disbelief. We honestly want, uh, we want to know what God is up to. It's a faith-seeking understanding. And I've wondered, is all this God's punishment or God's pruning? What is he trying to say to us? What is he trying to teach us? Well, Mary answers, asks her question, and the angel gives an answer. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. 
So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God, for no word from God will ever fail. So God gives Mary a genuine answer to a genuine question. How much she was able to get her mind around this answer, we don't know. What her emotions were, we don't have that insight either. But what we do have is her response in verse 38. And I'll be honest with you, Luke 1.38 is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. I love Mary's response here. She says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your will to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. You see, I think uh, Mary is so beautiful that uh, primarily because of her willingness to surrender to the will of God. God, I am your servant. Whatever you have for me, may your will to me be fulfilled. It's a call to trust God. The, the hope, the joy, the peace that we're talking about this morning are not easy, but the starting point is in trusting the Lord. Now, Mary's response is so iconic that it gets a fancy title. Mary's response here in verse uh, 38 has re- historically been, been referred to as Mary's fiat. And it's not because Mary drove a small Italian car that gets good gas mileage. Uh, Let me have the picture here. Maybe we don't have it. See, I just want to point out, that's not Mary, that's Jennifer Lopez. J-Lo's the one that drives the Fiat. But Mary has her own sort of Fiat. The fiat that Mary has comes, fiat literally uh, comes from the Latin word which means let it be. And that's Mary's response to the Lord. Let it be so. The angel appears to Mary and tells her this astonishing news and she says, God, I am your servant, your will, let it be done in my life. You see, fiat is the key to understanding God and our relationship to him. It goes back all the way to the first pages of the Bible. Over and over again in Genesis 1, there are several fiats where God says, let there be, let there be, let there be. And after each, and after each let there be, it was so. He said, let there be light, and there was light. Let there be a land to produce vegetation, and there were beautiful plants and trees and fruit over all the continents. He said, let the waters teem with living creatures, And there were fish and whales and octopi and seahorses. Let the birds fly above the earth. And there were eagles and hawks and blue jays. And this went on for six days. Let there be, let there be, let there be. On the sixth day, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And it was so. And God saw that it was good. It was, in fact, he looked upon all of his creation and he said, it's very good. And God, and uh, this was from the opening pages of Scripture, fiat, let there be, and it was so. And it was good because it was God's will. Now, as God gave these first fiats, he created a world in which three-quarters of it is covered by water, by oceans, by lakes, and, and rivers. Now, the creation story no- also notes that, God, that there is water not only on the earth, but above the earth as well, right? 
On the second day of creation, God said, let there be uh, a vault between the waters that separate water from water. And so God made the vault and separated uh, the water under the vault from the water above it, and it was so. And God called the vault sky, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. I've always found it fascinating that there is exactly the same amount of water on the earth today in 2021 as there was on that second day of creation. Water does not disappear, and, water is not, and there is no new water. It's simply recycled, right? Like we go back to elementary science class and we understand the process of evaporation and condensation and precipitation. It's this water cycle that goes around and around. And so that means when you drink your water this afternoon, it's the same water that the Neanderthals drank a long time ago, right? A little bit scary, right? But that's the whole process. It gets, it gets cleaned. It, it goes through this uh, process. You see, I point all that out because there is a process when it comes to our obedience to the Lord as well. I'll call it a, a fiat process where God says, let it be, and we respond by saying, let it be so. Let it be, let it be so. Let it be, let it be so. God came and spoke to Mary and said, let there be, and he gave his will to her, and she responded by saying, let it be so. You see, this is how we are called to live in relationship with God. God says, let it be, and we respond by saying, let it be so. The key to hope and peace and joy is to live in a parallel cycle of fiats. One theologian says Mary's fiat is not a one-time only consent. It will be repeated over and over in the days and the years ahead. And the same is true for us as well. We live in this relationship with God in which God says, let it be so. And we receive it and we uh, live by faith in it. And sometimes those are calls of obedience and sometimes those are just calls to receive uh, from God what, uh, who we are in Jesus. God says that you are loved you are my child. You, uh, you are called to live in peace, hope, and joy. And sometimes those things are not easy to receive, but we say, God, I take you at your word. Let it be so in my life. And God continues to speak to us, and we respond in faith and obedience. It's like a dance. That God moves and we respond in rhythm to him. We move and step with him, dancing with his spirit leading. And that is a beautiful thing. When we think of Mary, I don't think it's an, easy, uh, it's an easy time for her with a glowing halo over her head. I don't think she necessarily had beauty written on, on her face in her expression. But I do think her acts of obedience to the Lord are beautiful. And see, I think when we live in this same sort of response to Jesus, it is a beautiful thing. 
Galatians 5.25 says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So we don't seek to run ahead, and we don't seek to fall behind, but our hope is that we walk in step with the Spirit. And that is a beautiful thing. When we talk about peace, hope, and joy, and love, it is when we keep in step with the Spirit that we experience these things. Mary's fiat is summarized in her words, I am the Lord's servant. The Greek word here is the word doulos, which is the word that Paul uses when he says that I am a bondservant or a bondslave to the Lord. And so older translations like the King James Version uh, translate Mary's words here as I am the handmaiden of the Lord. And what's being communicated here is that that Mary submits to the Lord as a servant and she receives God's calling upon her life. And then as God is in her life as her master and Lord, she receives not only her calling, but she receives God's protection over her as well. Mary's fiat is her yes to God and it is also God's yes to her. And remember how the angel said to Mary, you are highly favored, you are favored of God. This favor was not because she was sinless, but because she was obedient. And I bring that all to our attention because if we are to experience all the favor of God, which I believe he wants us to have, which is what we're talking about when we speak of, his, of having hope, joy, and peace, if we are to experience the favor of God, then we live in obedience to him. So what we see in Mary leads us to today's Advent theme of hope. And I'll define hope in this way. Hope is acting with trust in God that he has done what is good, even though you don't see it as good yet. And I think that's what we see in Mary. Mary is a hopeful person. Not because she understands how all of this will work out in the days and the months and the years to come, but because she acts in trust in God, that what God has done to her is for her good, even though it might not feel that way in the moment. And the same, uh, we might be able to gather hope as well when we ground our hope in the character of God, that God loves us, that he is good to us, that he longs what is best for us. See, in this hope, in this sense, hope is both passive and active. It's passive in that we receive from God and we trust in him. It's active in that we respond by moving forward in obedience. I've got something that I'm wrestling with in my own life right now. And uh, it's a decision. It's something that I have prayed a lot about. It's uh, something that has been weighing on my heart for months. And uh, I, wish God, I wish God would, would tell me exactly what to do and exactly how this is going to all play out. But I continue to pray about it. And I don't have the long-term uh, conclusion. But what God keeps saying to me is, trust in me. I'm going through Isaiah in my devotions right now, and I read Isaiah, and almost every day the application is the same. Trust. 
Trust in me. It's on every page of the book. And I think God is trying to teach me to live in fiat faith. Let it be so. God, I receive whatever you would have for me. And I think that's what he's calling to uh, each of us to. He's calling us to that as a church. God says, let it be. And we respond by saying, let it be so. Hope is a rare commodity in our world today. It's so so elusive that many have replaced it with entertainment and material possessions and false love. And some have been left with no hope. And those with no hope are in a desperate situation that can cause them to do desperate and regrettable things. But I think for many more people, it's not that they have no hope, it's that they have misplaced hope. They place their hope in all kinds of things that ultimately cannot satisfy their souls, that cannot truly provide them with peace and joy and love, which is what I think we're all ultimately looking for. Uh, To those that have misplaced hope, the call is to repent because, the, because each of these misplaced hopes we might identify as an idol. Misplaced hope needs to be replaced by God in first place. For those who are left with no hope and for those that are left with misplaced hope, the answer is the same. The answer is Jesus. And Christmas is the story of Jesus coming into this world to give us hope through a relationship with him. So is God calling you to trust in him today? Would you place your faith, your hope in him today? One more thing, and I want to leave you with this application. It's grounded in the fact that I think, as I said, our world is a a hope-starved world. And I think people, especially after a couple years of struggle, are struggling to find hope. And I just want to remind us that we have the answer. The answer is found in a relationship with Jesus. And so here's my application. Would you invite someone to church over the next few weeks? If we really believe that the answer to hope is found in Jesus... And if we know that people tend to be more willing to come to Christmas or come to church at Christmas, we got CEO Christians, right? Christmas and Easter only. And this is the first one, Christmas. Invite someone to come with you. Invite a friend. Invite a family member. Invite a neighbor. Because we're not uh, trying to twist their arm. We're actually trying to guide, uh, guide them in the right direction. Because ultimately we know that if people are to experience the best life possible, that's a life they're going to be lived with and for Jesus. Jesus is the answer. He's the one that can give us hope. And so uh, as you invite someone, invite them ultimately into a relationship with Jesus. And if they're willing to take a step in that direction, invite them to come to church. And we'll just continue to lift up Jesus and ask that he would be glorified in our lives. I'm going to go before the Lord in prayer, and as I do, I'll invite the prayer counselors to come forward. 
and uh, invite the worship team to come. You know, if you are here this morning and uh, you recognize, I'd just like someone to pray with me today. Maybe you recognize, as, as we've been talking, I've got my own individual stresses in my own life, and uh, uh, I would love to just have someone to place a hand on my shoulder and pray for me. Uh, the prayer counselors would love just to lift you up into the presence of the Lord. You know, in the Bible it says where two or three are gathered in his name, uh, he is there with us. It's the, min it's, it's the ministry called the ministry of binding and loosing, in which we lift up, up one another, two or three gathered together, we lift us up and to Jesus' uh, presence, and we ask that he would loose us of all the things that are weighing us down and that he would bind us to himself. And as he does, and as we pray together, this is where miracles can happen, where God can inbreak with his spirit and bring his kingdom. And, uh, you know, I love when the, the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and says, you are highly favored. And Mary did have that special relationship with God. But I just want to let you know, when God looks upon you today, he would want to say the exact same thing that you are favored of him, that you, are, that you are his favorite. Why? Because he created you and he loves you. And he sent his son, Jesus. And that's not just trite language like cliche. That's the truth. God loves you more than you could ever get your mind around. And so I invite you to come and to receive prayer. Come and ask that God's favor be poured out upon your life. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you that you love us so much. We thank you that you want to give us hope and peace and joy. And God, as we uh, enter into the Advent season, we just exalt your name. We ask that you would have your will in our lives. We thank you that you love us so much. God, as we enter into this last song now, we pray that we could just lift our voices up and worship to you. And I pray that if there is anyone here this morning that could use a word of prayer, that could just uh, use a little extra blessing of your spirit, that they would come now and receive prayer and that you would touch them in a special way. May they know that they have come and that they made the right decision this morning to come to church, that you met with them you are ready to speak your words of love and truth into their life. So God, I pray that you would help them to have the courage just to take the steps and to come forward and to receive the blessing that you would have for them today. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>